welcome to another episode of The Zest is History, starring your hosts, Melissa Mason and Josie Rosenberg-Clark. Hello, Mel. Hello, Josie. I can just see your little eyes above <laughs> our makeshift. <laughs> and we're in our new recording studio, which is my room. Yeah. Because I used to have the luxury of having a spare bedroom. Like, who am I? Who I know. Who has a spare bedroom? <laughs> um, we realized we didn't really need that. So when we moved, we kind of lost that space. We actually have an attic. Maybe we could record in there. Yes. Oh, that's so fucking creepy. But they also, I, she's selling this place short. It's a really quite like expansive, like beautiful yes. lounge room kitchen. Yes, it's really I love nice. It. I'm really excited. All floorboards. Floorboard. So it's probably echoey again, but we've draped um, cardigans, Jimmy Barnes t shirts, fur coats, fur coats, what else? Baby, baby things, jeans on the floor, <laughs> an IKEA bag, the baby mattress. It's my all happening. Amber lent me. That's between us. It's all happening. I'm so, in the comfiest chair. Shout out to what is it called? IKEA's. IKEA's iconic poang poang armchair i'm obsessed which i've had I'm getting one julian's for he keeps falling asleep in it <laughs> i would fall asleep <laughs> in it too it's so fucking comfy. like i go and like put rosa down and like yeah. I, i'm gone for maybe half an hour and i come back and the tv's on i can just sense that something's not right in yeah the room and i kind of come around the corner and he's asleep in his poang he loves it <laughs> and zoe keeps sitting in it and oh, the no. cats aren't allowed. No. It's not a cat chair. Only for Julian. And it's his special like, man chair. <laughs> she sneaks onto it. I'm like, Zoe, no. She's like, today she like she got up from it so fast she hit her head on the – she was trying to go under the armrest. She oh, hit her head Zoe. Because <laughs> I was like, Zoe, no. <laughs> um, well, uh, what have we got to say? Oh, well, we haven't recorded together for a while. No. We did a Zoom, yeah. which we filmed – because I thought I had the Roni, but I didn't. No Roni, but, you know, erring, erring, erring on the side Whatever. of caution yep. is good. Mm-hmm. So we did it via Zoom. We filmed it. We did. Chaotically, just for some reason. And our delightful Patreon supporters got to see that. So if you want to stare at our mugs, yeah. we might film the odd episode yep. here and there. We've just filmed a little, uh, little short one of us opening some... Prezies, but anyway, Patreon is because oh, I was going to talk about that, and then I'm like too chaotically segueing. Yeah, right. If you want to go to Patreon, yes, dot com. Yeah, Patreon dot com <laughs> slash the zest is history. There are different tiers, so you can do small um, monthly payments, or you can do the Zest Lord payment, which mm. gets you everything, which is like early episodes, videos, mm-hmm. extra episodes. Mm-hmm. and a monthly Zoom chat. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, heaps going on. Lots on. Lots, Lots on. on. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I picked up the post today because we have a post office box and I always forget the number and I'm going to – 453. Josie knows it. Thank God. Please send us things, legal things, not like dead bodies or yeah. like weird shit. Yeah. Shit. Like don't send poo. Don't send poo. P.O. Box 453. Rose Bay, yep. New South Wales, 2029. Yes. So good. <laughs> I've committed it to memory. I said in the last episode I was going to stick it to my laptop because we record <laughs> into my laptop, but I actually just memorized it. 
Do you know when I've been down there, I literally stand in front of all the boxes and then I just try the key in every single one that feels right. So I'm like, 439 feels good. Chuck it in. No. No. 425. And I just, and then eventually I have to go to the group, find the announcement, look at it, and then I can finally get into it. Tattoo it to your wrist. I know. I seriously do. Um, But yes. And then there's also the Facebook group. If you're not in there, Mm. that's if you search The Zest is History on Facebook, you'll find it. And a lot of stuff goes in there. Uh, if you're not a Facebook person, we also have Instagram, which yep. is the Zest is History. Oh, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, quite literally it. So we put up our episode picks. Yes. Our wine pairings mm-hmm. go on Instagram. They're also in the show notes because someone asked yes. the other day. We put a lot of things in. All of this is in the show notes. Yes. So if you forget any of it, yeah. just like literally scroll down. It's all there. Along with our credits because it we is. do that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we put up the group on Facebook. It's more like a community where we just discuss yeah. anything. Jeez. Yeah. The X-Files today a yep. fair bit. Still a bit of crime. Yeah. Whatever. Like it's the vibe. It's fine. just a vibe in there. Yep. <laughs> all the crime. I love crime. Um, I yes. love murder, kidnappings. <laughs> <laughs> Lay it on me. Love it. Um, yeah, and then, uh, but yes, also we're still on this like quest to get a new and noteworthy on Apple Podcasts for no particular reason. Yes, review if you're if you're listening on Apple, review us, subscribe, tell other people to subscribe because the more like action you're yeah. getting on there, then they notice. I forced um. My friend Ash to subscribe. Oh, poor Ash, um, you also forced her to listen to it. Didn't I you? did, I did. I've, <laughs> I, I did many things. I, we just went on a road trip together, and I basically was like, um, she said once that she likes the CWA, and then I was Uh-oh. off. I was done. Oh, and I did the thing that you do, where I grabbed the phone out of her hand and just like <laughs> searched it and hit subscribe. And I'll I was like, you don't do have to listen; you. you just have to subscribe. That's yeah. all you've got to do. <laughs> just put press play and then walk away and do something else, just yeah. so it's getting a download. Yes. And you made her go to the restaurant. Oh, my God, yes. <sighs> so this is the segue into the trip. So, I, yeah, so I went around New South Wales. So mm. we're stuck in New South Wales. But obviously at least we can still travel and, like, shout out to our fellow, Victor- our fellow our Victorian friends. Who, yes, um, we love you. You know, you've only got, like, you know, hopefully it's only going to be this last leg of mm. lockdown and the numbers have been going down, which is nice to see. Yes. Um, I'm obviously – we're, we're – very much with you in spirit. It like lockdown sucked the first time. I can't even imagine how shitty it is the second time around. Yeah. So yeah, so we so I basically took a week off and did a little road trip around New South Wales and went out to Broken Hill and down and one <laughs> like I went like I need to go to Broken Hill and I want to go to Mungo National Park, but then we got oh. rained out of Mungo oh, National no. Park. Yeah. So we ended up going to Narandra and Griffith. Nice. And Griffith is obviously the home of Don Mackay, mm. who I did an episode of for All Aussie Mystery Hour, our old podcast. Mm. Um, and he, for anyone that didn't know, was in the 70s. He was like an, an anti-drugs campaigner and Griffith was like the weed capital and Crazy. all these like people were growing it, like mafia-related stuff Fruit going on. people. Yeah, it was very – I don't <laughs> even remember the details. But the point being, yeah. it was all very spicy because he got murdered – and um, they never found his body. And so I was carting Ash. Ash does not care about this shit at all. And I was like, Ash, 
that's the hotel where he went for his last drink. And then mm. if let's go around the back and look that's for the car happened. park where it happened. And then mm. the car park was all like, I couldn't tell in the photos whether it was at the front of the building or the back. Mm. And then the back had been demolished. Like there was all this shit everywhere. So oh, I took no. a photo of that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of this construction site. And I cannot tell you how weird it was. I'm literally standing in this alleyway, <laughs> leaning over a fence, taking photos of like junk. <laughs> and then took photos at the front, went to his furniture store. Yes. It's still there. Ash would have been like, what the fuck? Ash, we it's literally. Like furniture I know. one or whatever. Like it's part of a chain now, right? I know. It's a, it's a chain <laughs> furniture one. Yeah. So it's literally part of the chain. And, and like he's not there obviously because he's dead and his family isn't there anymore yeah. either they sold it so we walked in and i cannot like you, uh, you guys the furniture- <laughs> yeah we went into the furniture shop and so <laughs> i wanted to walk the floorboards that dawn walked you know mm. what i'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> but like i was when i forced you to lie down at exactly. the summerton man's spot yes yeah, dawn mckay for me is summerton man for yeah. you <laughs> <laughs> and like so but also like i dress like a fucking like weirdo like i wear a lot of 70s shit and so mm. obviously I'm already sticking out like a sore thumb and yeah. Ash dress is like a teen skater boy. So yes. it's like we just looked really out of place. <laughs> and we Two walked. City slicker, weird <laughs> girls. And so we walked into this furniture shop and the the like people there were just sort of like, what the fuck? It's also really early in the morning because like it was like 9am. And you would have looked so excited and like no one's excited when they go <laughs> no to a furniture one. shop. Well, I am at Ikea when I go yes. and buy Poang armchairs. Yes. But this was like $2,000 furniture. This was no. not the – anyway, so I've like wandered around for like five minutes <laughs> and then just left again. And, yeah, so I did all that. And then the, the the peak, though, was that we went to La Scala for dinner, which is an Italian restaurant there. It's mm. like very highly rated. But it's also like straight out of the 70s. And it was yes. new when Don Mackay was murdered. Mm. And one of the men, Sergei – Tony Sergey mm-hmm. was who was connected to it. It's never been proven there he was died, a big court so I can't case defame him. And there was a bunch of names thrown yeah. around. Yeah. yeah, he was one of the names that was thrown around. He had dinner there that night with some detectives. Oh, um, and like it was kind of like this part of the case. Mm. And so it's like underground. Firstly, it's like one of those hectic, like it's like a little um oh. basement type joint, and the walls were like this frieze, you know, like a mural, like a big mural, but it was like a weird mural. It was like all like Venetian vibes and then like wood. And the meals were straight out of the 70s. Like I can't even with this. Okay. (laughs) So I had, I had, um, veal, you know, I don't know what is, scallopini al fungi. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then they had like things like, um, uh, like the one which has prosciutto on it wrapped on it and stuff you know just oh yeah all the ones that are like hectically 70s yeah and it came with like the veggies and this like potato croquette and i was like oh. this is literally like <laughs> how you would have served this in 1975 yeah. like they're i just, just know they're sticking with what works yes because everyone loves it and it fucking does work it's so good if you're in griffith i know may shout out to may friend of the podcast Hi, lives may. in griffith yeah i didn't even think that i was literally in griffith and just didn't even click that like yeah. she lives there <laughs> and i could have seen her but um I know she's there. She would have already known about it or has been. But if you're going through Griffith, mm. you should definitely go eat there. It's it's 
Mm, I would say it's like relatively expensive. Like it's that vibe of like $28, $32 a meal, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Not yeah. like psycho expensive, but not cheap. Not like the Italian bowl. Yeah. It's like a treat. <laughs> it's like a treat. You know, yeah. you go, it's, it's like, like a it's nice like what dinner. I would count as a f- fancy dinner, mm. you know? Um, did you want to talk about X-Files or are you saving saving your conversation I've, up? been a couple. I was <laughs> yeah. like, I I was said like- several, but I, I think it's literally <laughs> two people. It's been a couple of requests to do a full just mini-sode of me talking about the X-Files. Mm-hmm. And I want to wait till I've, I'm going to watch the whole thing. Okay. I'm like deep into season three and it's been just a couple of weeks. Like I I'm have not watched through any like of it. five episodes a day because I just put it on. Yeah. And then I just get on with my life. And I'm kind of hard. I'm definitely watching it. I know what's happening. But I'll kind of walk away and Julian goes, should Rosa be watching the X-Files? Because she's just sitting there like yeah. bouncing away. She looks at the screen. Yeah. But I'm like, she doesn't know what it is. She has like, no idea. She doesn't have any concept that the minute that she like recoils when a monster is on the screen yeah. or whatever is when I'd probably be like, oh. Yeah. But she, literally I'm recoiling at things and she's just like staring at it. I'm like, she doesn't know what it is. I'm not going to put fucking Bluey on all day. Oh, God. Like, Bluey's actually quite funny. But yeah. I need to get something out of this Matt Lee and I'm going to rewatch the fucking X-Files. I so just she's watching agree. with me and she loves it. She kicks when she sees Mulder. Oh, my God. She's got a crush. Like, same. She, she, like, she's done that a few times. Hey, like had a little crush. <laughs> yeah. Got that she's little crush. like a little horny baby. She's got a horny over Alicia <laughs> and Glenn on. That's right. Bachelor in Paradise. Their little date. Oh. Um, so, no, I'm not going to talk about the X-Files right now, but I will say – that I'm loving life sick and I haven't watched Oh, We Got on the Dark. I tried to today. I haven't either. And I was just like, I want to watch the X-Files. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> sorry. it off again. But it's all right because a really helpful person, I think it was, oh, I can't remember who it was. It was an OG Zesty gave the heads up and this is not a plug for Telstra because they do not sponsor us, but I'm a Telstra person and that you get free binge on Telstra. Oh my God. For how um, long? Like forever? Six months. Oh yes. And Julian's also Telstra. So I'm like, together we get a year. Yes. And I was like, fucking now I don't have to race because I thought I only had the two weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, I have to watch I'll Be Gone in the Dark this weekend yeah, before yeah. my trial runs out. And then I was like, oh, because what's X Files on? It's on Amazon Prime. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so is Criminal Minds. Yeah. So that might be my next adventure. Oh, my god! <laughs> I'm set. I'm going to take another year of Matt leave just to watch these shows. Um, You know how I got really obsessed with Jessica when I was yes. away? And you watched it? This I remember when that was on TV. Yes. Like, I can remember the ads. Like, I have it on DVD, but basically because we're in Narandera, mm. which is where it Isn't happened. Isn't Maybe it is. Narandera. You know, Oh, I was about to say first name and the last name yeah. of someone that we know. Yeah. But I don't want to. Just say the, the first name. Lauren. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah because <laughs> I um I talked to Lauren while I was there because I've talked to her before about going Um, and she has a, she has a, a friend has an Airbnb yeah. there. Yeah. And it's really beautiful. And um, and then my parents were going to stay in it and then they couldn't. It was when the coronavirus, when the uh. um, border closure happened and they were away. And they had to change their whole trip because they were going down into Victoria for a while. And then right. it was anyway, – well, this is a really boring, <laughs> like, logistical story that no one cares about. Parental but, <laughs> logistics. The, the point is I went to Narandra and it's beautiful, but it also is where the Jessica true story happened. And then it wasn't filmed there. It was filmed in Karkoa or Karkor or whatever. But Rude. it's where it happened. And so, again – 
what yes. did I do? But this time Ash was really on board because she right. was also okay, obsessed with Jessica. Good. So you didn't just drag Ash no, around this was by a, her like, a co-obsession. baggy t-shirt. Yeah. So we went to like Jessica's grave and then the grave of the women that were killed at yes. the farm. But mainly we just wanted to watch it. And I don't know so if any of you follow me on Instagram, I had like a series of like I was tagging the fucking like actors. Yeah. I was tagging like Sam Neill. I was tagging I fucking Sam Channel Neal. 10. I yeah. was tweeting about it. I was doing everything to get it. And then I then I was like, and when I get fixated, as yes, you know, I'm the same I will never you. let it go. Yeah. It, this is how we get the shit done because we will not fucking let it go. We're like a dog with a bone. Yeah. And so basically I ended up, it was on Amazon.com. But right. not on dot com dot au, ah. and I assume that's the Channel Ten connection. And I don't even know if this is illegal, and if it is, I'm sorry, and I apologize or whatever. But basically, I was like VPN. Yes, yes. So I got one VPN, but then it didn't override Amazon, and then I had to get a different. Oh VPN. my god, I'm loving this. And then I so I paid for two VPNs. Oh my god, just to watch Jessica. This <laughs> then is I also I would do. I know. <laughs> And then I also paid a subscription for Amazon Prime America because it has to be different yes. to Amazon Australia. Oh, do you know I was paying for both for like a year? Oh, fuck. And then I went to my bank accounts and was like, what the fuck? And then I had to write to them. And they were like, oh, shit, yeah, you've got both. And they refunded me all the American ones. That's so good. <laughs> Maybe I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops, it was an accident. I didn't watch Jessica ever. <laughs> anyway, and then we we got it and I, the the – the the taste of success yes at the end of all of that i think fucking got to watch and nick who is a friend of the podcast Mm. was replied to my dm and was like i used to love this movie and then she's like oh my god you did it and i'm like no i didn't i don't even want to talk about the the length i've gone to you paid like six hundred dollars illegal things have happened (laughs) whatever vpns are available i don't understand i don't understand their legalities so whatever they advertise them yeah can't be illegal I don't know. Maybe it's a legal thing that we're using for legal means. Possibly. Whatever it happened. It's just you happened. It. It's it already great. happened. It happened. Anyway. You can't change the past. <laughs> I know the past can only change your future. Um, should I get into it? I was going to talk maybe. about um, background <laughs> briefing, but I'm going to save that for another I'm time. I'm like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Woo. It's only 9 p.m. It's only 9. Whatever. That's fine. Um, I am, so this was inspired by my parents' trip. Oh, that's Basically, lovely. yes, my dad. Friends of the podcast. Well, dad has become a really aggressive friend of the podcast, I feel. He's yeah. getting heavily involved. He's posting in the group. He's now learnt to post in the group, which I don't even, <laughs> how did that even happen? You didn't show him. <laughs> um, so he doesn't listen, but did, does suggest constantly ideas mm. for me um and he calls them he says you should do this for zest and i'm like Just that's zest. not what we call it. it we don't call it zest <laughs> we call it the zest is history or tzih it's not zest it's not zest that's Dad. already a podcast hey the zest when oh, i yes. was like searching for hours when it like wasn't showing up yeah it kept coming up zest which is like a foodie one yeah. from like florida i mean great <laughs> name go for it great name guys um, but yeah, so he basically, he said, you should do this for zest. Mm. Um, he went to Cowra, which is in New South Wales. Where is Cowra? Well. I always get Cowra confused with Nowra. Uh, yes. I get it <laughs> confused with Kuma. So yeah, that's right. <laughs> also similar. <laughs> um, letters off. So 
Oh, let me do all my credits first and then I'll we'll get into our big Cowra discussion. Okay. So we've got the Cowra fact sheet from the National Archive. I also can't say Cowra apparently. Like I'm saying it and I can't. Cowra. 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 It sounds weird when you say it a lot. It does. And you're going to have to say it a lot, I'm guessing. <laughs> I am. Cowra uh, fact sheet, National Archives of Australia, uh, the Australian War Memorial Site, News.com Today, you, LJ Charleston from 2019. Um, two books, that, no, three books that I'm crediting because they were heavily referenced on Wikipedia, but obviously I didn't read them because... Pff, we research in five seconds. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I'm sure they're great books. Their information helped Wikipedia do what it does. So, <laughs> Touched with Fire by Eric Bergerud. Japan's Imperial Army by Edward J. Dray from 2009. And uh, it's this one looks like it might be like a essay inside a book called From Consideration to Contempt, The Changing Nature of Japanese Military and Popular Perceptions of Prisoners of War Through the Ages. Catchy. Christ, I think that's an essay <laughs> I wrote in uni. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's by Ikuhiko Hata. And then an article in the West Coast Sentinel, a really good article by Max Blinken from 2019. And also, because I went, which I'll talk to you about, some information from the actual stands oh. in the Cowra um, Memorial. But, yes, yeah, so Cowra is this – it's quite small. It's not super small. Uh, mm. It's probably vibes of – it's probably smaller than Mudgee, I would say. But, like, I don't know. What's another town? Burke. I only know mm, Burke's my friend no. used to live there. Nah, Burke's pretty small. I don't know. It's like it's it's got like it's a vibe, you know, but it's not like bustling right. metropolis like Orange or anything. And it's near Orange. Um, it's actually just up from Wagga. It's sort of between Wagga and Orange. And they are down a bit from Sydney yep. and in. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, fun fact, one of my exes is from Cowra. Really? Yes. What are the chances? What are the fucking chances? Um, but more importantly than that, my friend Mel, who is his friend, but is my friend. Oh, yeah. I and she is a friend about. of the podcast. And she is the one. <laughs> Do you remember when we were like talking about Mel? Mm-hmm. I hope she's hearing this because she'll <laughs> laugh. And we were talking about her and we were, you were like, what a bitch. Because we were like, <laughs> and she doesn't even listen to the podcast. And then she DMs me like, but like staley DMs me like weeks later. And yeah. is like. I fucking listen to the podcast. <laughs> you can't believe you called me a bitch. Sorry. Anyway, very Sorry, funny. Sorry, Mel. Very funny. But um, I have – I feel like Cara is one of those places you like drive through but don't really stop mm. in. Like you I've, might stop if you're hungry and it's like yes. around the time. Or you need to stretch your legs. Yes. And I've stopped there a couple like of Bula times. Like Buladila. Yes. It does have Buladila vibes to me, oh, I feel. Okay. Um, Shit. I thought that red shit. wine was. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and it's red, not white. Like, let's not do that today. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Um. But yeah. So, I'd been there once before. Again, like, just drove through with mm. my friend Lisa. Yeah. And it's really funny because we were going on like a little road trip. That's when you went to Monte Cristo. Yes. It is. I have a good memory. Yes. And when we went through Cowra, they have this like big Liberty Bell thing that's like related to this story. And mm. it's like a really big bell. And I think that they only ring it for like extremely special occasions. Like right. I think it's like they ring it like once a year for like a, for, like, like a commemoration. Right. And we were just like, bong. <laughs> I was like, like reading this story and I was like, oh, oh that is a very special no. bell. And I- <laughs> You're like kicking it. <laughs> 
literally just like bang, 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 like twaddle is like stupid bell. And I wasn't stupid young bell enough. Your ring. It wasn't like like I was easily just like thirty. Yes, you weren't like <laughs> twelve not. and could get away with being Aww. obnoxious. Um, but yeah, it's very cute. Um, is there a bakery? Yes, I didn't go to it because literally everything in the fucking country on a Sunday is closed. Oh, I can't I tell you how long it took us to get breakfast. Oh, even in Newcastle. I'm <laughs> like, mum, let's go get coffee. And it's like everything shuts at 11. I don't <laughs> understand. I want a 1 p.m. coffee for my drive home. I know. <laughs> Why won't you give this to me? Um, no, so everything was closed. So, But there is a bakery there. There's also a great country Chinese. I do know that much. Um, there's some wineries. I didn't get a wine from there because oh, I'm fucked. What a story this was. Basically, <laughs> like literally said to Josie when I walked in, I was like, so I've gotten us a Merlot, which we don't normally drink, but it was the only wine from Orange, <laughs> which was the closest I could get to Cowra, even though I was in Cowra and there were wineries near Cowra and I could have just gone you to one of the wineries. <laughs> you don't think miles ahead like me. No. My brain is always like ticking. Mm. Julian's always like, just chill for a sec so you yeah. can see my little brain's always like working like three steps ahead that's like, why you're I'm brilliant gonna do this case and not case this story and yes i'll get that one and yes i'll order it in that's just what my brain does but then you have the best pairings my pairings are always subpar but I'll honestly improve. i've smashed this mellow it it's is great good. oh yes yeah, so what it is is oh god oh it's rolling <laughs> it's it's Climbing. Climbing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting up to get it. Isn't the other one rolling? There is a ro- rolling one. Is it the same one? I don't know. It's it's cumulus, cumulus, cumulus. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> cumulus estate wines. Mm. Climbing Merlot from Orange. Mm-hmm. Um, the notes are. Yeah, tell me. Cherry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Berries. Grapes. Berries? <laughs> grapes. Great. I'm feeling grapes. Okay. I will tell you a few little hints. So we're at, we're, I mean, this isn't even a hint. We're at high elevation. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know why that would help you. Okay. Um, look, I the cherry is definitely like a vibe of what it is. Oh, but, really? Mm, I mean, it's not oh. at all, but like I can. Stone fruits? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Plone. <laughs> plome 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 please tell me what what the plome part of plome was i was gonna say plum and yeah. then i regretted it and i said no and ah. it came out plove well guess what it's plum plum it's plum oh. it's plum i reckon i've got a good fucking you do because you've done this already before I have. You smashed it before. Cherry and plum are pretty fucking similar. I know. That's why I was like. Fun fact, I can't eat either. I can't have stone fruit. What? Doesn't agree with me. I never knew that about you. I'm probably going to be very sick after this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think fermented wine. Um, It was plum, violets, and spice. Spice is a bit generic. Spice, Come on, hell generic. Climbing, Guys, be rolling. more specific on that front. But it is—it's very easy to drink. Mm-hmm. I feel it's the kind of red <laughs> where you can just like drink the entire bottle and like you didn't realize it, and you're like, whoopsie. And then Rosa starts crying at one a.m. and you have to kind of stagger mm-hmm. in there, and you've already got the hangover. And you're like, why do I have a headache? Like, you're just like, why do I have a baby? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rosa. Um, but it's yeah, it's very easy drinking. It's I would say delicious. it would go nicely with like. I reckon like we're tiny going... little meat pies. Yes. Like we have. <laughs> <laughs> we had. For some reason I panicked about 
Julian's dinner because he basically <laughs> comes home, I throw Rosa at him and we record. And he doesn't really have time to like make anything to eat. So I was like, I just went to the freezer. I'm like, we have six little tiny pies from when we watched the footy. And I did like a footy feast. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> They're the nice fancy Simone Logue ones. Fancy footy feast. And I was like, I'll put these pies in. No, I'll make him a burrito bowl. With, like <laughs> mum made like chili con carne for yeah. me. So I did both. And then there were just all these pies and I was like, Okay, Mel and I are going to eat these pies. (laughs) So we just randomly had like three little pies. It was a delicious, it was a delicious snack. And they were really nice, fancy ones. Yes. Um, What the fuck was I talking about? Sorry. Cara, no, it's fine. Uh, Okay. So yeah, it's really cute, but it is even now kind of in the middle of nowhere. Like Mm -hmm. you're still close, obviously, to like orange... Anyway, so yeah, so it is, it's like now obviously not so in the middle of nowhere, but you can imagine in the mm, 40s. Very in the middle of nowhere. Very in the middle of yeah. nowhere. And so we're in the 40s um, and that's why Australia decided to put a prisoner of war camp there. Really? hmm So it was actually chosen because at the time there was a road to Sydney. Right. Which is obviously useful mm-hmm. and also for its remoteness. And the remoteness was this kind of psychological element to mm. basically discourage people from escaping because why would you escape if you have nowhere to fucking go? Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, makes sense. And so the it was the number 12 prisoner compound and it was built just outside the town edge during World War II around 1942. And at the time, there were actually 28 prisoner of war camps built in Australia, which to me is so weird because I always perceive our role in World our role in World War II as being like very remote. Like it was like we sent people over there mm-hmm. and obviously there was the Darwin bombings. But aside from that, in my head, it was just like it didn't really people went us. elsewhere, but yeah. we were just sort of here. We kind of outsourced the war. We didn't yeah. bring it here yeah but 28 prisoner of war camps i did not huge. know that neither at all i was shocked i was like what the fuck and i feel like we learned a lot of very australian centric history mm-hmm. at school mm-hmm. so i'm like did i just was that just when i was really into boys and just staring at them across the yeah, classroom not listening and not to paying attention teacher. at all <laughs> um but yeah and, and location wise it's actually beautiful and basically so you can go and visit it and i did do that um but it was also seven in the morning and it was fucking free so I only did half of it. Mm. But you can – it's um, it hasn't been preserved per se. Like it's obviously been quite demolished to a degree. But the where it's positioned is almost like on a rolling hill. So it's like – Oh, I love it's a really rolling beautiful. hill. really beautiful. I know. Oh. Beautiful rolling hill. And um, the outlook is just all farmland. Oh. So – and on one side is bush. And it's, and it's so cute now because it's like a little dog walking area and you can just oh, take your dog cute. off leash. And I was like, Millie would love this. <laughs> there is so much shit to chase. Like there'd be like fucking – there were little rabbits everywhere. Oh, she loves chasing fun. that shit. So, yeah. Um, but you can walk around it and it's um, – they've, they've still got it sectioned off, which I'll get to in a minute. But uh, it's really worth doing. And that's where dad got this idea because he went and Ugh. he got so into it. And he was like, yeah. you have to go. It's so interesting and so on. Um, and I should credit dad as well because he actually gave me some of these articles because he also did research for me. Aww. That's how invested he is. Oh, uh, I wish my dad would do research <laughs> for me. Bloody <laughs> hell. So it's, yeah, so it's really worth looking around at because it's quite um, – like they've got a lot of signposts around and they sort of track like I the story of – I love an information. Me too. An informative signpost. Me too. I love I an informative signpost. I always make Julian stop because I want to read them all. Same. I always make everyone stop. <laughs> like there's one up in like near where I walk Millie and 
I swear to God, I see it all the time and I still read it You're like constantly. Like, mm, and I'm like, I've read yes, this literally a week ago. I'm you do not need to read it again. Koji. Yeah. It's about some species of bird. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, fuck yeah. Oh, yes. I need to. And the, and the marshlands. Yeah. Julian's like, my God. <laughs> I know. And it's like, I definitely have read this before, but here we go again. Yeah. On this very narrow path, there's like a thoroughfare of people. Yeah. Can we not? Time, stop time to read about, about the, the bird again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, it's worth going to. And then they have this terrifying, like, like replica of the guards tower. And when Ooh. we pulled up, we were the only people there. And we got out of the car and there's this talking. And we were like, what no. is happening? And it's sensor, like it's sensor no. operated. And it had just started fucking talking to us. And I was like, no, no, not at seven in the morning. That's you clever, fucking... but also fucking demonic. No, it was demonic. <laughs> and um, But it tells like the story, which is good, but also not good when you don't know what's happening. But now you know what's going to happen. So when you go, Mel's you won't forewarned you so you don't have to I piss don't. your pants in the car park. Of exactly. The place. Um, anyway, so but that's the that's kind of the brief about the actual site. So you can go and it's really interesting. But so the, the camp was mainly populated with Japanese and Italian military who had been captured. And so it was originally, originally <laughs> meant – for the Italian prisoners of war. But right. then as the war continued, they started sending Japanese prisoners of war there as well. Because I assume this is a very rough assumption about World War II, which I know nothing about, that the Japanese were involved later yes. than the Italians. Yeah, Am got, I right? Yeah, they Fuck got involved yeah. later on. But I always forget, actually, that the Italians were bad. Because I'm always like, yes. we love Italians. Yes. Italy. They don't yes. seem like they get involved in conflict now. No. Because they're just like, they're lovers. They're not fighters. Well, they're I like, think the Greeks pasta. were also we bad. We love you. We want to kiss you on both cheeks. Yeah. Like, oh, we're Italian. But you just can't. I just forget about like Mussolini and all the bad I shit. I know. And I think I think the Greeks were bad because my grandpa fought in World War Two For the wrong side. But probably for the wrong <laughs> side. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> anyway. But who knows? Who knows? Because I don't know. Because I don't. I didn't listen to There's history class either. There's people that did um, modern history in year eleven and twelve. They're screaming at their fucking Absolutely. phones right now. Screaming Sorry. at us. Sorry. So by August nineteen forty four, there were two thousand two hundred twenty three Japanese prisoners of war in wow. Australia. That's a lot. Get this: fourteen thousand seven hundred twenty Italian prisoners. No. Yeah. 1,585 oh Germans, and, and so a lot of them were actually captured at sea, and then that made more right. sense I was going to gonna say, like, where were they getting I know. these people from? Right. Like, why would you bother, like, bringing them across yeah, from Yeah, we've captured them Italy? in or wherever yeah, the was fields fighting? of France. Yeah. We're going to take them, like, convicts down yeah. to <laughs> town of bloody stupid. Tasmania. But, yeah, so I think a lot of the time it was people that were coming from – I know that the Japanese soldiers – Many came from New Guinea, from the fighting mm-hmm. in New Guinea. Mm. But I think with the Italians and the Germans, it was boats yes. and naval situations. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so in Cowra, there were around 4,000 detained by 1944. Um, and 2,000 Italian detainees were living in the camp originally, but then they brought in over 1,000 Japanese detainees between 43 and 44 and that then led to overcrowding because right. they'd set it up kind of like two it's like, it almost looks like a pie and so it's like a big circle mm-hmm. and there's four quadrants right quadrants oh my god four quadrants doesn't make any fucking sense because quadrant means four 
parts, right? Yeah, but it just sounded amazing. It did sound good, <laughs> didn't it? And I fucked it by like talking over it. It's You could have said it's divided into quadrants. That would be the way to say it. Four but quadrants. we've had plenty of that. <laughs> I know. Rolling, I was like, I'm climbing, rolling, drunk. Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> We're like rolling down the hill, climbing, rolling. Who knows? <laughs> Whatever. We're drinking Merlot. <laughs> Merlot. Mm, a nice um, Merlot. A nice Merlot. So... Yeah, so it's quadrants. And so they had um, two were meant to be permanent, like people that were staying there till the end of the war, and then two were meant to be temporary. Right. And then I think – so I think the permanent ones, particularly the Japanese one, because they set it up for the Italians, mm. it got overcrowded. So it wasn't it, – but it was still fine. Like it was still like kind of a nice time, um, <laughs> which is – no, it really was. Wait till you hear this. It's fucked. We were like – me and Ash were reading this and we were like, sorry? So <laughs> – Basically, at first they had to live in tents and they had to help build it. But then they had huts and the Mm -hmm. huts were like stone and stuff like, you know, like they were, I think they were timber huts, but the floors Mm. were stone and things. So it wasn't like shithouse living. Yeah. And um, the Japanese prisoners of war had fish and rice flown in from New Zealand to eat. Sorry, what? That's literally what we said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And like Sauvignon Blanc to wash it down. And then the Indonesian prisoners of war, apparently, like, their constitution couldn't handle the mutton that they were being fed. So they also had special food brought in. Basically, because, you know, the 1929 Geneva, it's that thing, and I didn't oh, read yeah. it because yeah, I couldn't yeah. be bothered. Yeah, yeah. But it's the thing that basically says don't treat people like shit when they're your prisoner of war. Sorry, I don't want to go on a rant. Yeah. But, like, other, like, trust Aussies to be, like, kind about yeah. it. Yeah. Like other countries did not care oh, about they that were, yeah. at all. It was very much like <laughs> this was not how the Japanese were necessarily treating their prisoners. Yeah. I didn't actually look into how they I, – My I dad's feel, uncle died yeah. in Sandakan. Sandakan? Sandakan? Where's that one? Um, I want to say New Guinea, Oh yeah, I might be wrong. Yeah. But back, like that's where everyone was like – ribs only. yes yeah like, like really oh bad. it definitely was not nice times arizona for everybody it was just like but i think australia was very much going by the convention thingy yeah and so i i like i say the the reason the japanese had their food flown in as well was for the same reason that their constitution was like what the fuck is this mutton which yeah. i do also understand because if you did not live on that diet oh like, yeah you'd just be like Clogged Diarrhea up. I think you'd be clogged. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like clogged up. I was like just like the meat sweats from all the mutton. <laughs> oh yeah, true. Um, it's in Borneo, Sandakan, ah, Sandakan. Okay. I don't know how to say it. It's got like both. I've heard both. Yeah. Please school me if you're in the group and you know about history. Yeah. Uh, so the Japanese apparently loved baseball and there's pictures of them playing baseball. Oh, my God. Cute. Well, the Italians made their own soccer field. Oh, I was going to say, every time you say Italian prisoners of war, I just think they're all sexy. They are. Okay. <laughs> no, but literally I could not find an unhot one. Like the pictures, I'll put them in the group obviously and on Instagram, but the pictures are like, whew, like they're all just so hot. Um, and Italian then they, people are hot even when they're not hot. I know. That makes sense. They all just look very like capable, <laughs> like capable in all ways. Like they could like, they'd have bedroom throwdown, but also yeah. like they could build you a whole hut. And like make you a carbonara. Yeah. All three. And then make a wine as well. <laughs> like, like everything. And then they would totally take like paternity leave too. They'd yeah. be like so modern. Ugh, they'd, they'd be, be like, nappies. I knocked you up. So I'm going to like help. You come like, home to like a fresh nappy and a fresh carbonara. Yeah. 
my dream. <laughs> all we ask for in life. Julian, are you listening? No, he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> he goes today. Oh, yeah, I was listening to the dollop. I'm I was like, thinking you, that. You're basically the girl dollop. You fucking asshole. Oh, shit, his mum listens. I mean, I love him. Deeply. <laughs> um, and then also the Italians. So they got all got assigned uniforms. Mm. And the Italians tailored their own to make them more chic. I shit you not. I was going to say, were they tight? They made them... <laughs> Like sexy, like Armani. Like, can you imagine just being like, mm, no, I, no, 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 no. <laughs> this has no style. Mm-hmm. Just give me a neat. Just give me one sewing machine, and I'll fix it. <laughs> just like whizzing, <laughs> just like just like pulling ones. pulling things in darts, adding some darts, pleats, darts, just making rolling it. up the sleeves. I wish there was a picture of like the before and after. There obviously is not, but I wish there was. <laughs> um. But yeah, and then they got, the Italians also got really involved in the community and they were sort of teaching methods of cooking and farming and so on. Um, And according to historian Matt McLaughlin, who spoke to the West Coast Sentinel, quote, the Italians were harmless and docile. There are lots of stories about Italians hooking up with farmers' wives, you sexy motherfuckers. I love this. I love it. Um, I've I've laid back on my bed because I You're like settling in for some Italian... (laughs) erotica sex zest (laughs) sex zest um and he said one of my favorite stories is about some italian prisoners who went out to the farms one day then headed back to camp but got a flat tire and by the time they got back to camp it was locked so they had to bang on the gates to get let back in oh my god they were just like let us back into our prison and apparently that was kind of because they had come from pretty hectic and terrible war like war times Mm -hmm. and so they were pretty just happy just to be I was gonna say I didn't want to be controversial Mm. but every time I like remember that movie 1917 I know different war different war I know guys but how he's like oh at the start of it he's like oh I went on I went back home but it's worse because you don't want like it's so much harder to come back to this yeah and I just thought you'd probably be like this is sweet yeah they're treating us pretty well yep you don't have to fight. We're You're not, not going like, to die. We're not going to die. Like every yeah. day going into battle, there was an X-Files episode on today where there was a, a veteran that had lost his arms and legs. Yeah. And basically he could come out of his body oh, and kill that. people. But he had no arms and legs. And and Mulder kind of said, well, you know, you're a soldier. You go in every day knowing that this could happen to you. Like mm. he was pretty like insensitive about it. I just thought, fuck, like the stress levels mm. of being a soldier, especially when you don't want to be. And you're being yes. conscripted. Yeah. You'd be like, sick. I'm in Australia. Exactly. Driving around. Yep. Like tailoring my uniform. It would have been amazing. Yeah. So they were really relaxed about everything. Um, and also the guards that were on, this is just a bit of a side note. Um, they were mainly old or disabled vet- veterans or young men that weren't considered physically fit for frontline service because right. obviously yeah. everybody that was considered fit went off to war. Yeah. So the people that were guarding this whole situation, it was all pretty low key. Yeah. Like they're obviously still trained, but they weren't um, like the best bounces. fighters or anything. Yeah. yeah. And so they did carry rifles and there were two machine guns on site, but it was all like, it wasn't hectic, like rigid life i guess mm. it was almost like they were doing it because they had to but they weren't like strict about it if that makes yeah. sense it was like they were just ticking the box of yes these people are here yes we've got the machine guns but we're just like 
Yeah. Pretty chill about it. It very much was like that until oh, no. August 1944. So, oh, sorry, not even August, a bit before August <laughs> 1944. Because <laughs> two months before August, a Korean prisoner named Takeo Matsumoto told camp intelligence officer and interpreter Captain Popper Man, great name, <laughs> that um, the Japanese were planning an escape. So he'd basically overheard mm, this. Right. Um, and he basically said that the reason that – so at that point, the Japanese had been really cooperative, mm. like weirdly so. Mm. And he said the reason they'd been doing that was because they were just picking the right time to break out, steal weapons, fight, oh. and then die honorably for their country, which would have then removed the shame of them being taken prisoner. And I'm going to jump into that later because mm-hmm. that is the bit that fascinates me the most. Because um, it's very culturally different from Italy, yes, for example. Exactly. Um, so, just that, so because they got that info, there was this plan that they knew about to mm. move the Japanese prisoners of war from Cowra to this other camp at Hay in New South Wales, which is down a bit further south toward mm-hmm. Victoria. Obviously, because you're going south. <laughs> <laughs> south towards Queensland. <laughs> hey, it's me. I could easily have ended up saying that. Um, so they had been notified on the 4th of August. And so to, at 2 a.m. the following morning is when shit got real. Mm. So to give you, paint you a picture, as Alicia would say, of the, <laughs> of, of the like situation we're in. So we've got the like four, the quad, the four quadrants, guys, mm-hmm. the four fours. Yep. One, um, two, three, four. Count them, guys. Yeah. And then right down the middle is almost like what looks like a runway. Yeah, that's and exactly what I pictured yes. before you said runway. Yeah. Mm. So it's there's it doesn't go to the sides, it's just right down the yep. middle and it's really lit. That's the only bit that is lit. Right. And it's bright lights. Mm-hmm. And so on this night, there was only one guy manning that. Oh god. Yeah, which I is a they gross were so oversight. Chill there. Yeah, and it's and it is a gross oversight because mm. they they knew about the unrest. Yeah. It was the day they told them. Oh. Yeah. Guys, come stupid. on. You got really told stupid. and everything. Really stupid. So at this 2 a.m., somebody runs toward one of the sentries who is on like um, like a sentry like further back from yeah. the main bit. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a Japanese guy runs towards him and he's, and he's talking to him in Japanese and, and the guy's sort of confused and mm. doesn't really know what's going on. So he fires two warning shots in the air. All right. Not at him. Then they hear this Japanese bu- bugle, you know, like a oh. one of those things yeah. sound. That was actually played by the first Japanese prisoner of war in the camp called Hajime Toyoshima. And he was a zero fighter pilot and he'd crash landed on Melville Island during the raid in Darwin. Oh, okay. And so he was kind of like, I don't know if he was like leading the group necessarily, mm. but he got to play the bugle because he was the first the one first there. The first one. So from there, mobs of prisoners had gotten blankets and were throwing them over the barbed wire to climb Climb. over the barbed wire. And I'm talking like hundreds and hundreds. So this isn't like, you know, like 10 people you can probably handle, but like a wave. And they they shouted bonsai, which literally is about mobbing as a wave, which I also didn't know that that's Mm. what that meant. It meant literally like running as a wave of people. Isn't it banzais and bonsai the small trees? It's probably (laughs) banzai. Bonsai. Like the bonsai. Bonsai. The Bonsai pipeline. In Hawaii. Like bonsai. And they're like <laughs> just throwing tiny trees at everyone. 
<laughs> a new I've invented a new war technique for Japanese. It's genius. Soldiers. They spend all these years growing, cultivating the little trees. <laughs> yeah. The the guards are like, they're so cooperative, they're so chill, they and they love these little, little trees. trees. <laughs> and then one night they just fucking peg them right at the guards' heads just and scream bonsai. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the real history that's story. What happened? That's End what of happened. episode. End of episode. Go get a bonsai tree. So banzai. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was doing so well and then I was like getting all the names right and I was like fucking like in- internally like that little meme kid, you know, the kid that's like, mm, you yeah. know. Success and, baby. And then I fucked it. Yeah, su- I was success baby until that point. <laughs> oh. um, so so they come in from the – they sorry, they go to the north, west and southern sides of the compound. So they're basically like climbing out from all areas of their – Oh, wow. Like – yeah pie piece if that makes yeah. sense and um they barely had anything to fight with obviously because they don't have mm-hmm. weapons mm-hmm. so they've made weapons so they've got their baseballs they've got knives they've got clubs that they've studded with nails and bits and pieces just stuff anything mm. they could create they basically made weapons out of but they were up against soldiers with rifles and obviously there were the machine guns which come yeah. into play in a minute um but they lit the buildings in the compound on fire oh like they meant God. serious business yeah and so Private Ben Hardy was operating one of the machine guns. He actually ran out in his pajamas. Like literally no one was prepared for this. So he's just like, fuck, runs for this machine gun in his pajamas. Um, and he begins firing on the escapees. But by this point, there's such a wave. Like they're trained for this. This is what they yeah. do. So it's such, so many people he gets overrun. So he dies. Mm. Um, but before he dies, he manages to remove the part of the machine that would let it fire. So oh, he takes it out so they can't. clever. He's so smart. And so he actually gets an award for this later. But I'll, yeah, I'll tell you about that later. And it was kind of like, I mean, this is a bit of a side note on him, but it was I just thought it was a cute story because he actually enlisted at 43, but he was deemed too old for service. Mm. And that's why I ended up in Kara. So I feel like for him he would have felt like he did his duty. Like yeah. he would have felt like he did what he wanted to do. Yeah. Like he wanted to protect Australia. And, and the whole like end game here with these soldiers was that they were trying to get access to the machine gun to turn it on to the Australian right. guards and stuff. Yeah. So he did kind of save the day yeah. to a degree. Aww. Yeah. So, you know, how I was saying how it, it really interested me, how they didn't really want to escape. They wanted to fight. Yes. So, that whole, like, I went really deep on this. So, according to Eric Bergerud, he's a professor of military and American history at Lincoln University, um, the Japanese military were f- trained to fight to the death. Mm-hmm. Um, and another historian backs this up, Edward J. Dreyer, and he's actually fluent in Japanese and he was able to translate key documents because I was really weird about talking about Japanese culture from the perspective of, like, these American yes. historians because I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, obviously you're a historian, so I'm sure you do your research. Like, mm. you don't get to be a historian just by being like, I say this. Although, isn't there, like, an Aussie one who just says, like, the genocide of Aborigines just didn't happen. And yes. it's like, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And there's um, plenty of people that say the Holocaust didn't happen. Yeah. So, I just was, like, really – I was trying to find Japanese historians for sources. And there is one, but he at least was, like – can translating actual yeah. documents to find this stuff out. So so these are like soldiers that are trained. Like it's not like you're trained to fight until things are dire and it's impossible and then you back off like 
I guess, Australian soldiers are trained yeah, and most yeah. of the ally like, um, were trained. Retreat, retreat. Yeah, you know, like it's more strategic for the, the allies. It was always very much like, you know, um, fight and then if it's you get overwhelmed, you go back, you mm. replan, you regroup, you know, Japanese yeah. soldiers is like you fight and you die. Yes. That's it. Yeah. You know, wow. you either win or you're dead and that's yeah. that. And so – and this was all connected to this 1941 document called the Senjin Kung. And it was a document that was issued to Japanese soldiers. And it basically had this like prohibition against being taken prisoner. Oh. Yeah. So you would like, it was like never be taken prisoner. Not basically. like the Italians who no, were, like, were just like smoking, like <laughs> they're like, espresso they're like, oh no, you got oh, me. This is terrible. <laughs> I'm hating this. They're in probably pleated like, trousers. <laughs> they're probably like out in the field, like on the battlefield. And then they're just like, I tripped. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> oh no, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> the Australians, they got me. Um, there was also propaganda going around in Japan. It was like a campaign in the 40s that celebrated those that fought to the death rather than surrender. So right. there was all so they were like indoctrinated. Very much so. Very much so. And it was and it was just a lot around them. And that's not to say that every single Japanese soldier was necessarily living their life this way, but mm. it kind of was obviously all around you. It was very all pervasive. Yeah, that the general consensus was you can't just sit and chill and make carbonara and shag the farmer's wives. Yes. Like this is not good to yes. be here. Yes, exactly. And so some sco- – like a lot of scholars disagree about whether the Senjinkun was binding like a law, but it was definitely like the attitude. Yes. But they also had a really – like a very real fear of being tortured if they were captured. So they were sort of taught – that if they got captured, they were going to be tortured. It was going to be this horrendous experience. Um, but there were also real stories coming from American um, prisoner of war camps where American soldiers were allegedly mutilating Japanese captives oh, and um, of nervous soldiers also killing Japanese soldiers when they went to surrender because they'd heard that they don't surrender. And so they would, there were these stories going around that they didn't surrender and that they would instead like pretend and then kill them or like pretend and then like throw a grenade or something. Oh, God. Yeah. So there was a lot of like, like it was kind of like, okay, you're trained not to surrender, but then also you're trained to believe that if you do surrender, you're just going to die anyway. So I think that would also feed into you being terrified and just you'd fight to the death anyway. Yeah, because what have you got to lose? Exactly. Really? Um, and so Japanese historian Ikuhiko Hata um, said that they also consider, considered surrender to allies as breaking ties with Japan. Wow. So, yeah, so like wow. full on, like you're not even – yeah. So basically that would also explain why when this all happened, there was also – a whole lot of the prisoners of war that they found that had been killed by their own countrymen. Mm. And that's probably people that wouldn't fight. Yeah. And were like, no, I'm too scared. I don't want to. And, you know, and then they just got killed anyway. Wow. Yeah. So fascinating to me. So then historian Matt McLaughlin told the West Coast Sentinel that most of the soldiers in Cowra had actually been captured in New Guinea, like I was saying. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really different kind of state of, existence in the war to some of the people that have been captured in like navy ships and pilots because in new guinea it was like pretty fucked up like they they were all quite ill and injured and they when they got captured it was Mm. like they couldn't fight back like they were so unwell yeah yeah so um 
it's interesting because then the pilots that crashed in the Navy, he reckons they were the more fanatical ones because they were of a higher ranking, first of all, in mm-hmm. the army, but they also hadn't experienced that. So they, yeah, like you know, the real like lows of like almost being dead, basically. Yeah. And yeah. I think maybe, I, I mean, this is just me speculating, but it's like you'd either be like, well, thank God I'm like now eating and living yes. not in the mud. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> the, I'm not the jungle was really harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you'd be like maybe not feeling as shamed because you literally couldn't have fought back. Yeah. Like you got captured when you were sick yeah. or like dying. Mm. Whereas, you know, a pilot that gets captured because his plane crashes. It's like his skills didn't. Yeah. Like, it was his fault. So he almost. has to. Yeah. He has to like fight back to like get his. To reclaim his honor. Yeah. It's all very honor based. Very honor based. Yeah. And so. Matt McLaughlin said, quote, the Japanese plan was to launch a big riot to break out of prison camp, to take over the machine guns and then turn the machine guns on the Australians. And then they were going to attack the army training camp because there was an army training camp near the... Clever. Yeah. The intention was to kill as many Australian soldiers as they could before they were themselves killed in a glorious death on the battlefield. There were definitely huge amounts of shame that they had been captured, but there was so much more to it than that. The breakout was their way of attempting to erase that shame with violence and with Mm. combat in battle. So, yeah, it was very much um, that they wanted to reverse that shame. Right. But not escape. Yeah, you it know? was just like so they could kind of almost die knowing that they weren't dying in shame. Exactly. That, like they'd reclaim some of their honour points as yeah. they passed on because they were like, well, we're going to die anyway, basically. Yeah. Like they were like, we're here now. Yeah. We may as well go out. It's like guns blazing, yeah. Yeah, it but really it's is. just crazy because the Italians were clearly the opposite. I know. I feel like the Italians would have been Complete watching this like, oh, opposite. what the fuck is like happening? Like filing their nails, like, yeah. really? Yeah. Like, no, I don't know. I just feel like if someone's taken prisoner in war, people are like, oh, my God, that's terrible. But yeah. clearly in Japanese culture, it's like terrible for it. Not terrible for you. It's terrible of you to get captured, which yeah. is so different. Yeah. It's just a completely different culture. Yeah. That, and I think that's why it fascinated me so much. But then this is where it gets really interesting because obviously the intention was to get the machine guns, take over the machine mm. guns, fire there everyone. two machine guns. Yeah. But then it would be like they would fire that, they'd mm. kill all these guards, then they were going to go to the camp, kill mm-hmm. people there, and like that was the Just like rack up numbers almost. Yeah. But then the plan was foiled when old mate took out oh. the – the thing genius and also obviously like their weapons weren't strong enough to overpower people with rifles so Mm. it just didn't work Mm. but still 359 of the prisoners escaped that's a fair chunk yeah and they ran into the bush in the countryside so now they're out there oh my god it's they're out in cowra can you imagine living in cowra (laughs) yeah and like they probably didn't even know that this was happening at the time because they were trying to keep it a bit hush hush in general, but also it would have happened so quickly that mm-hmm. like you couldn't tell everybody. There's but no just internet. Just being like, okay, so three hundred and fifty nine mm. Japanese prisoners are just like chilling in our yeah. like bush. You're just like in the kitchen. And just see Joan is in the kitchen. She's like, <laughs> Bill, Bill. I'm pretty sure three hundred and fifty nine Japanese men just ran through the backyard. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it was a kangaroo. I don't know. Go back to sleep. <laughs> like, it would have been wild. Because living in Cowra in those days, it's like everyone's white. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very 
probably very white and Australian mm-hmm. and just just even think about there being 359 people from halfway across the world. I know. Running through the wilderness. So <laughs> wild to me. But then so because they were kind of – they were meant to fight. They weren't meant to just escape. Mm. It's like they lost their purpose mm. and then they became really disoriented. They really didn't know what to do. And they're not together. So they split right. off. It's just like chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some attempted suicide or did – like die by suicide. So basically they found 11 hanging from trees oh, just God. in the bush and then one threw himself in front of a train. Like they just were like they had were purposeless essentially. Yeah. And then Australian soldiers were sent after them but without weapons oh. because the government was so stressed about the situation. They were like, we don't want retaliation from Japan if we go right. out with guns. We like – peaceful resolution yeah they didn't want to hunt them down because the geneva convention was so tied to like you can't like Mm. torture or Mm. you know harm prisoners of war you can just keep them you need to keep them in like normal conditions and stuff yeah they were like if we hunt these japanese soldiers down even though they've escaped yes there could be retribution that comes to us and obviously japan was close and we'd had the darwin bombing already so it was like let's not have that happen again lightly yeah um, so as a result, obviously, sadly, more Aussie soldiers died. <sighs> a guy called Charles Henry Shepherd and Lieutenant Harry Doncaster. And so things went awry. Awry. <laughs> I did that on purpose, guys. <laughs> so the leaders of the breakout had actually ordered the escapees not to attack Australian civilians because mm-hmm. it wasn't their war wasn't with the civilians, yeah, right. it was with the soldiers. So no one was actually killed or injured, but there were stories of like, Farmers were just like disoriented Japanese soldiers just turned up at their door, Shit. like upset and not Joan knowing what to Bill. do. Joan yeah. and Bill are literally oh. like, hey, she's like, I told you. <laughs> I know. And she's like, come in for a cup. Like, oh. literally, they did. Yeah. Like, they actually like took care of them oh. until I know. <laughs> and it's a that. really nice, and this story actually has a really nice ending, but it was just like, I can just imagine like that's such a nice, I, because it, I think it would be a very scary thing. Like you're talking about, like you said, a very white Australia mm. and also an Australia in the middle of war mm-hmm. with foreign countries and Japan is probably the most foreign to those Australians yes. at that time. very exotic. Yes. And so you'd probably be deeply, and you knew it's there, you know the prisoner of yeah. war camp's there. So you know that this person's probably not just like, just a happy-go-lucky Japanese man who's showed up just, at your door crying. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> fine. Fallen on hard times. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely, you know, not meant to be there. Um, so there were lots of nice stories of that, like farmers that That's so cute. took them in and just looked after them until the soldiers came. Um, but then there were obviously other stories where, um, like, none of them were killed, but one farmer did kill two Japanese soldiers. Oh. Um, and I don't know whether they were trying to attack him or not, mm. but, you know, because, again, you're talking about, like, it's not like they're a homogenous group. Like, they're still all individuals. So, yes, yeah, some could have come. Like, I mean, they are probably really young boys mm-hmm. that were coming crying. Like, Joan is, of course, going to take in young, crying, upset people into yeah. her home. And give them a scone. And give them a scone and a, and a cuppa. Yeah. Which, 
But, you know, if people come aggressively, then you're going to protect your family. And yes. You, you do know it's a prisoner of war camp. You do know that they're not a happy-go-lucky, yeah. down-on-their-luck Japanese person. You know they're literally the enemy. So, yeah. And there might have been, like, older farmers that were just, like, couldn't fight in the war because they were too old. Yeah. So they're like, I'm going to do my bit here. Yeah. And, just like and you wouldn't down know. These people. Like, you just think it's not so black and white. Yeah. And you wouldn't know that the Australian soldiers were trying to just round them up and you wouldn't know yeah. about their – like you wouldn't even know – like you wouldn't know things like that they'd been told not to kill Australian civilians. Like you wouldn't know any yeah, of you that. Wouldn't. You'd just be like going to your base instincts. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. And, and, and on top of that, like I said, like it, that doesn't mean just because the leaders told them not to that in that panic that some of them wouldn't have thought I'm no. just going to fight – like, I'm going to fight my way through this. I'm going to, like, kill people if I have to kind yeah. of thing. So, lots of going on. But within 10 days, all the survivors were recaptured. And by the end of it, four Australian soldiers and 231 Japanese soldiers were killed and 108 oh. prisoners were wounded. So, Private Hardy and Jones, which was this other guy, and I don't know why I haven't got his name in there, and I'm sorry, they were post posthumously. Posthumously. Posthumously awarded the George Cross for the result of the action. So they both manned the machine gun. Right. Okay. Um, Hardy was the one that took the bit out, but they okay. both manned them and they both died. Right. So they are both heroes. And then Private Charles Henry Shepherd was the third Australian victim. He was fighting at the camp and that's how he died. Um, and Lieutenant Harry Doncaster was ambushed and killed while he was recapturing the escapees. Mm. Uh and then the fifth Australian, Thomas Roy Hancock, was accidentally shot by another volunteer. Um, oh, no. And it was just a lot of chaos. So, mm. But Australia continued to actually operate that camp beyond that point. So Whoa. it kept going. And that was until the last Japanese and Italian prisoners were repatriated in 1947. Insane. So can you imagine like going through that whole breakout and all those deaths and all that chaos and then just continuing on like life's normal? Like getting into new machine guns and just carry on. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. You would have been like very st- – I feel like there would have been a more tense – vibe there after that a hundred percent when you know what can happen yeah i feel like the italians were still just sitting there they did not care (laughs) they were like let's make passata from scratch (laughs) (laughs) like who's got some cherry tomatoes (laughs) i know who does that farmer's wife over there old joan she's been up to no good (laughs) so good um but what i really really love about this story is how kaura became kind of a friend of japan after all of this oh that's really nice i know it's so this is like you're gonna cry so Uh in a show of respect for the dead the kawa rsl sub branch cared for the whole japanese burial ground informally until eventually the graves were relocated to what's now the kawa japanese war cemetery which opened in 1964 so they literally were like treated it as like you know these are dead soldiers yeah so we're going to look after the graves and like make That's care really for them. That's beautiful. I know. <laughs> and then they made their ho- their own Japanese war cemetery specifically for these dead soldiers. That's so respectful. I know. And then in 1979, they made the Kaura Japanese Garden and Cultural Center. <gasps> Don't. I know. And it's considered to be a, quote, tangible monument to peace and reconciliation. Oh, that's really nice. And they made it in partnership with the Japanese government who had a lot of input in the design Mm. and the layout. And so the gardens and the cemetery are now symbolically linked with an avenue of cherry blossoms. (gasps) 
stop it. I know. And then that peace bell that I rang and shouldn't oh, have God. was put in. <laughs> I know. Now do you see how bad it is? <laughs> bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> so that was, made, that was put in place in 1992 and it was another recognition of the peace efforts. Wow. So they've continuously like yeah. paid tribute to those soldiers and they have festivals they have the sakura matsuri festival and the festival of international understanding it's and that it's it's just so amazing to me because i think i always think of australia as quite a racist nation right and i think in many ways we Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. but i think it's really nice when you see again we're not it's not one big homogenous group. It's mm. like so nice to see that this township, even though like you had every right to then be like, Why, fuck really you guys. Like, angry. What, five Aussies died? Yeah. Like, five yeah. Aussies died. Like, you know, mm. the the kind of attitude is this is these are the people we're fighting against. There's more people dying overseas. Yes, because the black and of, white view of they're the enemy. Yes. But it's like they saw the bigger picture. Yeah. Like what those Japanese soldiers were all about and why they did what they did and just saw them as individuals taking them in and yeah that's so nice I know so that's the nice ending to a very chaotic story I did not know any of that any of it like, Neither. I didn't even know we had prisoner of war camps all I knew was there was a show Changi on TV mm-hmm. and then it all kind of came up again and that's when I learned that my Nan's brother, mm. her oldest brother, he actually died at like 18 mm. because he was a prisoner of war at Sandakan. I don't know how to say it yeah. properly. And yeah, all the vision that we saw was the opposite of like starving people and they'd had dysentery and mm. terrible things happening. And that's what I thought the prisoner of war yeah. image was across the world. It's different to hear about. In Kaura, like, flown in food and... Yeah. Well, I guess they're just going... It's not like Aussies are nice. It's just the convention. Yeah. The Geneva Convention of not, like, torturing them by feeding them mutton until they are constipated. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond belief. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just... Oh, that's crazy. But, yeah, it's really... It's, an, it's a really awful story with a really nice ending, I feel. Ah, oh, Yeah. I just love those stories about the farmers taking in the I know the young upset I know. soldiers. On a lighter note, mm. I feel like you missed something in your pre-game entertainment of talking about another podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> I was like, "What podcast?" <laughs> I I don't even. It would be up by now, but yes, I am. <laughs> your uh, I I have chaotically decided to do a podcast. It is me reviewing and recapping each chapter of Midnight <laughs> Sun, which is the new Twilight book by Stephanie Meyer. This will interest probably 4% of you. 0.3%. <laughs> I'm going to listen. I'm excited. Um, and it, 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 I don't even know why I'm doing it, but they're literally like going to be 10-minute episodes. And it's part <laughs> of our little podcast network. So if you want to listen, it's called Twilitty. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. And I don't know why I've lost my mind, but here we are. <laughs> it was a perfect light light note to end the podcast yeah. on. Um on that note. That's it. Hooroo. Hooroo. Hooroo.